All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. For the second week in a row, I have a co-host that is a hoppy, and it's not Brad. So welcome back to Carrie. And I said this last week, our guest must be somewhat important, but I mean, it's just Pete Rich. We've talked to him a bunch of times. so It's only Pete. That's right. It's just Pete. If um, you want more information on Pete, check out episode five. You'd get his background. And that one we did way back, early days of Backlash Podcast. I know for sure Carrie was probably involved in that one. And then we did episode number 74 last August with Pete. So I know on those past episodes, though, we probably did more talking about trolling. And tonight we are not going to do so much talk about trolling. In fact, Pete's going to talk to you a little bit about it. His uh, his trolling bite hasn't really been that great this year. He's been mostly catching them casting, and he's been uh, putting a few of them in the boat that have been you know, fairly large. Uh, Northern Wisconsin gets a bad rap sometimes for small fish. Not not only from Pete, I've seen some big fish, but I've seen them from a lot of people in northern Wisconsin, some big fish. So it's a very fishy season up there, very big fish season up there. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about how he's been getting it done. And then we're also going to transition into some night fishing talk. And then we're going to talk about what to expect as we get into what every single muskie angler dreams about. Right, Carrie? This is it. I mean, we're, we're just getting into the start of it right now. If people... If you're a musky angler, you're always looking to get on the in the boat in late August and September. And early spring, yep, and September is the money month. Yep, and you know, as long as we get some of those cooler nights and those cooler temperatures, it starts pushing those fish shallow, and and I think we all love it because this is where my uh, musky mayhem tackle makes their money, right, Carrie? This is bucktail season. <laughs> it's bucktail season, yeah. Everybody loves bucktail season. It's like. It's not always the easiest fishing, but sometimes it is. If you fish like I do, low and slow, then bucktails are, then it's easy. Yep. If you got to burn them, then I feel for you. And it sounds like you can get it done both ways. And so that's, you know, pretty cool stuff. Like I said, if you're, the bucktails, topwater, shallow presentations, a lot of these fish move shallow. I don't want to say that makes it easy because it doesn't. And sometimes your your season can get a little bit screwed up based off of, uh, you know, what happens weather-wise. Weather trumps all, in my opinion. You know, let's hope we don't have to deal with that. But definitely a fun time to be on the water. And, Carrie, why don't you talk to them a little bit about where they can go to get a lot of their bucktail needs. Well, if you're looking for a musky mayhem tackle bucktail, um, you can go to muskymayhemtackle.com if you want information on Musky Mayhem Tackle. And I'm not going to lie, drop the ball a little bit on posting this year. But you can go to um, Facebook or Instagram, and then you can also see see what's going on, what's happening on YouTube. And I know Carrie's not going to like to hear this, but there are other bucktails other than Musky Mayhem products. And while we carry a huge selection of Musky Mayhem, we also carry everybody else that you would have any interest in. Not saying you need to have interest in them just to try to keep the peace with Carrie tonight, but there are other ones out there. We carry them. TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. We carry pretty much everything you need to gear up for the you know this end of this. We'll say end, even though it's you know we're still just getting rolling. You still got September, October, November, a little bit of August here yet. So if you're looking for gear for a musky fishing adventure, we certainly have it. And, uh, you know, I'm still trying to hit that goal that Carrie is looking for for triggers. So if anybody wants to help me out, go to TeamRhinoOutdoors.com, buy a trigger. Your your support is very much appreciated. 
I'll give you that, Jeff. You can you can say you sell other bucktails because you do, and that's that's the way it is. But Musky Mayhem Tackle is the original big bladed flash of blue bucktail. That's what you guys tell me. You have to at least give me that. I do, and usually if I'm here by myself, I actually even know your intro so well that I will say that you can go to Musky Mayhem Tackle, the home of the original big bladed bucktail. Well, f at 127 episodes, you should have it pretty much memorized. That's good that you know that it's 127. I didn't even know that. It is 120. This is the 127th. Well, hard to believe it's been like a half a year since we did episode 100 where I did like 12 hours of editing to put that thing together. I know. Unreal. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, what are we going to do for 200? Um, you're going to edit and me and Brad will record it. You and Brad can record it, but there'll be no editing if you're going <laughs> to count on me. I don't have a clue how to do that. Oh, I can teach you. It's quick. Easy. I've seen Brad. I've seen what Brad does on YouTube. You can do this. Yeah, I was kind of, I kind of bow out on that stuff too. I'm like, there's only so much this brain can can retain, and it's pretty well maxed out. Is it? All right. Yeah. Fine. I guess. Yeah. So I dropped the ball on editing anything. You might see me do like some little artwork artwork pieces for it, but there'll be no editing from this kid. Honestly. I refuse to learn how to run a GoPro. <laughs> oh, brother! So we leave all that. We leave all that up to Brad. That is all Brad. Yes. Wow, I'm surprised can, it gets um, done. I can run the like a a video camera sure. here and there if I have to, but yeah, I I don't even want to know how to turn one of the things on. There's only there's only so much I can do, and that is not one thing that I'm willing to do. I guess. <laughs> Well, fortunately, you uh, have no problems building bucktails and shipping them out to people. So at least you got that all covered. And then, you know, you got, you're you covered with the right people to get the rest of the jobs done. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about diversifying, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk to Pete. Let's do it because I know that we have limited time because otherwise Carrie's going to pretty much just have to drop the call in the middle of it because that's how it works. 10 o'clock, Carrie's out. So that's why we've had no Brad. Brad wants to be on the water late. And while well, I'm getting smarter than Brad, I won't publicly tell him that, but now it's out there so everybody knows. I feel like I'm getting smarter than Brad. I won't I won't podcast at midnight anymore. I did that. It's That part of my life is over with. So <laughs> let's get after it with Pete. All right, our guest today is Pete Rich, Pete Rich Guide Service out of northern Wisconsin, more specifically uh, Pete Fishes in the Hayward area. And apparently Mr. Peter Rich has done mildly okay this year, and so we'll talk a little bit about that. Pete, how are you doing tonight? I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come talk musky fishing with us again. For anybody that doesn't know, you can also find Pete on episode 74 and episode 5. There's a chance I may have already said that in the intro because I haven't filmed the intro yet. But anyways, um, you can. Uh, it was eight twenty six of twenty twenty last time we had Pete on, so it's been roughly a year. I don't know. Must be something to do with August. We like talking to Pete in August. But Pete, like I said before, thank you for coming out. How are things going? They're going good, and uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, like you, you said. It's been a. It's been a pretty good season for me up here. It's. Uh, it's actually been a, a pretty special one. It's been. It's been a lot of fun, and, and for whatever reason, I've been uh, way more into musky fishing with my free time uh, this year than I have in, in quite a while. I kind of put the golf clubs away and just been pounding the water, and it's uh, it paid off. That's good. Well, you know, Pete, for the second time in a row, we got Carrie Hoppy on, so you must be, you know, that 
must make you feel kind of special in itself. It's obvious, <laughs> obviously. And Brad, Brad Knight, the Carrie special. Exactly. And we don't, I, I don't know if I've been on a Pete podcast yet. Really? Well, you. I don't. I mean, it's, maybe the first one. Well, that was episode number five, so there's a good chance you were still around for that one, Carrie. I know somewhere around like sixty, we kind of lost you. <laughs> and now that she's back, you got her twice in a row. Exactly. You you guys like to burn the midnight oil. I turn into a pumpkin at ten o'clock. I'm aware. Mika even told me the other day. She said, "Mom turns yeah. into a pumpkin at ten o'clock." Yep. Well, Pete, I tap out even before she does. There's yep. There's a. Uh, she takes after her father and likes to stay up all night long. I know how that is. I got I stay up all night long too, and I got two younger boys that like to stay up all night. They're still playing video games on the couch when I'm go to bed. So unless have you tried melatonin? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. See, Pete, my kids are old enough where I can just be like, "Hey, boys, um, make sure you turn the lights off and brush your teeth before you go to bed. I'll uh, catch you some other time. See ya." Yeah, yeah, that's basically what I do sometimes. She's like, "I'm gonna wait for dad," and I'm like. Okay, I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, Pete, anyways, the reason why Brad's not around is because he's out fishing, and then he would probably say, hey, I'll get off the water at 10 o'clock, and then we'll do a podcast, but I've kind of refused to do that this year, and so if I do them at normal times, Carrie will jump in and help me out, and so I appreciate that as well. But anyways, nice. uh, yeah. en- enough about that, and let's talk about fishing. I know that there's been five fish now, I'll, I'll use air quotes. Allegedly, they're 50 inches, even though you and I will, can debate the picture. You think it's 49 and 31, 30 seconds. I think it's 49 and 15, 16. So uh, either way, <laughs> either way, very large fish for northern Wisconsin. And, and in Wisconsin, we get to call that. Uh, we can just get to call that a 50. <laughs> yeah, I know, a certain, I know a certain guy that I fish with once in a while. That would have been a 50 for sure, yeah. <laughs> and, and one of them was a... One of them was a 49. The one I got with McMahon, or McMahon got with me, was uh, that one was just shy of 50. That was like 49 and three quarters. So that was the only one I didn't claim 50. So that was actually four with a fifth, like right there. So, you know, Wisconsin sometimes gets a bad rap, even though I don't know it's, I don't know that it's justified. I'll still maintain, contrary to what you hear out there, that we're in, still in the glory years of Northern Wisconsin fishing, in my opinion. It still gets stocked regularly. You know, some of these other fisheries, they're they're maybe not getting stocked. They're, you know, whatever. There's a couple issues with them, and they may be declining in certain areas. You know, Mille Lacs being one of them, it was such a, you know, unbelievable fishery for so long, and it's not really, you know, the glory it once was. But I still think that northern Wisconsin has still offers a very quality place for people to come visit and chase muskies. It not only offers a chance at a big one, you know, granted it probably doesn't offer a Green Bay chance or, in my opinion, Madison. Madison is an uh, underrated fishery also, but it still offers you a chance at a very large fish, and it also you know, there's something nostalgic about northern Wisconsin. And so, Pete, but because it gets a bad rap, let's talk a little bit about these fish. Why don't you kind of lay them out, I guess, and, and we'll go over each individual fish or however you want to do it. Let's kind of talk about them. Yeah, so, you know, and, and I agree with uh, most of what you said there. I think you'll see something, you know, kind of special happening in Madison with uh, the stocking of the leech lake fish because I don't think anyone can deny that the leech lake fish just grow bigger than our fish. I think it's, a, it's pretty much a fact. So you're seeing that in Madison. But there is, you know, the, the northern Wisconsin area, whether you're in Vilas County or the Hayward area, the diversity and the amount of lakes we have is 
is something special. You know, Minnesota is still my favorite place to, you know, to go for, to, to chase after a fish that, to be honest with you, we really just don't have here. You know, like, I don't know anybody who's got a 57 in the area, but every year somebody will pop a 57 on the lax. But, you know, what we do have here is this diversity of small lakes. I think Minnesota has like a hundred musky lakes. I think Wisconsin has in the, the area of 500, I'd say, I think is the, yeah, I thought something it was, like that. Yeah, five or six hundred, roughly, something like that. Yep. Yeah, I think it's in that ballpark, and you know, and that's that's lakes from three hundred acres to you know Chippewa flowage being sixteen thousand acres. So there are a lot of opportunities to catch muskies, and I think you know what I do, where I'm a little bit different than I think the majority of the guys who guide in our area is I don't I don't care so much about numbers. Obviously, I want to catch fish. We're catching a bunch of fish, but I want to at least target lakes that have the big fish capabilities. I want to fish the bigger lakes that we may not catch a four footer that day, but I have a much higher chance of them than going to like a three or a 500 acre lake where I'm looking for numbers of small fish. And that's kind of how I base my season. And, and I, and I spend the majority of my time, like I said, on those bigger lakes and, and then kind of putting the puzzle together, uh, as the, the year goes along. Um, of those five big fish that we've had, you know, so far this year, I think only one of them, I'm not sure. Yeah. Only one of them I hadn't seen before catching it. And, and that's been a lot of fun is, you know, get it, seeing these fish, have them follow in a couple of them are side imaged while trolling. As I think we'll talk a little bit more later, trolling just hasn't been that great up here this year, but it still showed me fish to go back and, and target in castable areas and and two of the fish um were exactly that for an area there's just a piece of structure that had been holding some really big fish i ended up finally going back had a couple of them follow in um and then uh, kind of used that trolling to, to swing back and catch some fish casting so pete let's talk about you know this i think a lot of musky anglers maybe not so much you know pretty experienced anglers but newer musky anglers they like to just get in find a shoreline with some weeds and start uh, chucking musky, you know, chucking musky baits at these fish. And sometimes I'm going to say you can probably maybe get into a decent fish here or there. But I think that these bigger fish are using other structure. The fish that you found so far of this, you know, of this upper 40s, 50-inch class fish, what kind of structures are you finding these fish on? So all of them have been completely related to to mid lake structure and that was from the first one that we caught the first big one that we caught in uh late june through the the last one that i just caught like two weeks ago those fish all were related to main lake structure what i mean by main lake structure is so whether i'm going to uh, say i'm going to a lake i've never been before and it's you know early fall midsummer first thing i'm going to do is find the, you know, the biggest, deepest patch of open water and then find the adjacent structure from there. You know, before I really got into trolling, that would have been, you know, almost specifically shallow, weedy, maybe shallow, rocky structure as, as I've gained all this confidence from trolling and catching a pile of big fish doing that. It, it's really changed the way that, that I fish in that, you know, uh, a 20 foot rock point isn't deep in my mind anymore. And so I'm, I'm finding these deep humps. Some of them are weed humps. Some of them are shallow humps. Some are deep points, but it, it's really targeting that, 
that structure that's the closest to that big open deep water part of the lake where the fish are going to spend the majority of their summer. And that was, so that, that first 50 that we got, um, it was actually kind of a cool story for me because I, I, I got it. So I felt kind of lucky. Me and my clients had headed out. There was a deep point um, with some nice weeds on it that kind of ran out into exactly what I was talking about. And the boat just kind of, while I was getting a set, I kind of had the boat at an odd angle. And I told everybody, hold on one second. And I kind of backed the boat up. I said, all right, start your casting. And, and I just chucked one right up tight to where the point ran off of shore. And, you know, and, and what I mean, a, and, and like I said, by main lake, I mean, I'm in 25 feet of water. And I think my top water landed in about two. And I wasn't even looking at the, the lure because I was still looking at the graph and where, where the boat was located. And I make about two cranks, feel this fish eat it, and, you know, set the hook and, and look up. And she's just throwing water everywhere. And that was my first top water 50 in, since like 2009. So that was pretty cool to, to catch a fish like that on a, on a top water for me personally. And, it's, and that was a, uh, that was just a really cool experience. Um, but that was something too, where in this kind of time of year, that, that one was late June, this fish was super shallow, but right off of deep water. And like a lot of the fish this year, it was prefrontal. Like we got out early, we're casting hour later, the, you know, we're fishing in rain for the majority of the day after that. And a lot of the a lot of the fish this year have been like that. Like if I have a system just coming in or just coming out, seems to kind of be when we're really tangling with uh, the bigger fish. And then, I, then for me, always it seems to be tied in around the newer, the full moon. All, all five of those fish were, were exactly that, just kind of tied right in with that uh, newer full moon phase. Like is the I new moon better? Is the full moon better? Um, no, I, I to me to be honest with you, I don't find much of a difference through either with the full moon it seems to be like shorter more intense windows um where the new moon kind of seems to be like a better all day bite kind of thing you know i've had it seemed like for a while there like you know every two weeks we were catching one or two of these big fish from late june through the the new moon like a week and a half ago so it, it just kind of for those bigger fish for whatever reason they just get dumb here around those moons and i know it's like that in minnesota too i mean we used to uh go to bemidji for our vacations in late september and we would always pick the week of either the new or the full moon and and on those years that we were able to get that moon like right in the middle of the week we would just it was we would catch a pile of big fish do you have you guys noticed uh, a difference um, between the new or the full uh usually i prefer the new moon over the full moon Either one of them can be good leading up and typically after. Like this year seems to be a little bit more full moon and then the lead and then after is completely kind of blanked. Yeah, to um, be honest, I've had, the, I've had the exact same thing over here. Where like maybe uh, the day after is still good, but uh, the couple yeah. days after are, are just, yeah. They're terrible to, at best. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they did um, all their feeding right before it. Yeah, yeah, and it. I mean, like me myself, and I, I don't care for the full moon. I would take new moon over full moon anytime. But um, yeah, it's been it's been kind of kind of weird over here. 
to say the least. Sometimes it's phenomenal. The next time it's, it's extremely difficult, but our weather over here has not been even remotely close to normal. We are above and beyond dry, like getting really bad, but not sure how much longer you can get the boat in the lake type of dry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We have major, major drought. We're in fire warnings every day and we've had a whole like the last week and a half we've had giant wind which is not helping the whole dry situation no and, not uh, at all yeah and every every lake in the area is super sketchy getting in and out of and so i yeah. i don't know yeah. if it's so much maybe more the weather here or the lack of weather here is causing everything to be goofy you know, the, our water temps are decent. I mean, what do you have over there for water temps right now? So it depends where I'm going. If I'm on a lake like the Chippewa Flowage, which is, you know, dark and, and shallow, I still got 74 to 76 in the morning and, you know, maybe 78 if it's a, if it's a calm day with the wind we've had the last three days. It's just water temps are just kind of staying right at 76. But that's because that lake gets no thermocline and it's probably 74 to 75 degrees. 15 feet down like it's just always like that coming out of summer other lakes that i've been on i've got 71 when i'm when i'm coming out early in the morning and i think that's been a huge help in getting these fish and keeping them on structure i know with talking with mcmahon who's you know in the twin cities and uh you know a little bit in northern minnesota too uh, you guys have been a lot warmer we've been in like this little like it's been a warm summer here but we keep getting like like we'll get a blast of heat and then all of a sudden we'll get the a night in the upper 40s or low 50s where it seems like you guys in minnesota have just been hot and dry and i we've had some rain we're definitely in a drought but it it's not as bad as it was in june you know my my i literally have cut my lawn five times this year that's, that's kind of nice but but it's green again for the first time in a while yeah we haven't cut the lawn here since father's day weekend that's awesome <laughs> kind of it, it's nice it's nice that way and and, and don't um, don't get me wrong. It, I mean, it, it could probably be cut right now. Um, it's all burnt off, but and all all we would do would be kill it. But it would you know make it manicured a little bit better. But I live in the sticks. I don't know that anyone really cares. I know it's complete opposite over here. I have to cut my lawn three times a week because otherwise it's ridiculously long. <laughs> you've, so. got, you've got all the rain. We do have all the rain. Like I swear, we get like three inches every single every other day. It seems like. Yeah, we were having that, that same issue at boat landings like by the end of June, but we've, we've definitely had enough moisture to keep things okay. I mean, the lakes are low, but they're not, we're not struggling getting in and out. Um, and, and it's weird because I don't know, I mean, I know you guys have some clearer lakes over there. Anyhow, I tend to fish some more stained water. Until we started getting rain, probably in late July, our lakes were clearer than I've seen them in maybe ever which was really bizarre. So I don't know if that has something to do with the dry water, but it really, I feel like that made my deeper casting bite a little more effective. I think maybe these fish are able to pick up lures from farther away and, uh, and really kind of come in on them. And it was, it was also, you know, kind of one of those seasons where, you know, trolling, I mean, I think both episodes that I had been on with you, Jeff, we probably talked trolling the majority of it because that was kind of, something that, you know, I was kind of out ahead of with 
some of our lakes that you could never troll before. And, and I was kind of one of the first ones to say, Hey, this, this is going to be a thing and really pounded that pattern. Um, it's been a brutal trolling season here. Um, I mean, we've got some fish. Um, I, you know, obviously I had a couple kids, you know, under the age of 13 that I'm going to take them trolling versus, you know, casting and at a 91 year old man, get his, you know, his, his son who was like 70 told me it was probably his dad's last muskie that I'll ever catch. So, and we got that trolling, but so, you know, there's been some really cool, cool experiences trolling, but we haven't got anything big. Um, I think 44 is our biggest fish trolling. But like I was saying earlier, we were side imaging muskies all over the place trolling that just wouldn't bite. And then I kind of, you know, switched up tactics and said, all right, let's, let's cast these fish. Um, Cause usually I've had no problem getting those fish to go um, trolling, but this year they just wouldn't touch it. And so um, that was actually what kind of, we got a, we got a 50 inch tiger this year. That was probably the most incredible fish I've ever had in my boat. I, I would like that fish was, I, I got a 52 out of the flowage years back. That 50 inch tiger, my client got like, that's, that's a fish of a lifetime right there. He's actually, and he just emailed me actually this morning that he got the, the order in the lax and is getting a replica. But that was a fish that we had had follow in, um, I think three days earlier on a, on a mag dog there was a storm coming in. These guys were staying on a different lake. And I said, boys, let's take a drive because with the storm coming in, I think it was the day of the new or the full moon. I was like, we want to, it's worth the hour drive to go to this other lake. And, uh, cause this lake always turns on right before storms are coming, which a lot do, but this lake particularly, like if I've got big fish, I feel like I can get them to go in those situations. And, and we did, we got up there and started casting and, uh, <laughs> It was the guy's first muskie ever caught, and he's uh, he's bringing in a bucktail, and uh, he's like, "I think I got one." I'm like, "Well, then set the hook." <laughs> and so he kind of does this little half set, and a little boil comes up. I'm like, "Oh, he does!" And I turn around, grab the net, turn back around. He's in the front of my boat, and the line he like never reeled after he set, so the line was in the kicker motor, and I'm like, "What the heck?" So I get the line out of the kicker motor. I've got tension on the fish from my hand to the fish through the line and there's no tension from him to me. And I'm like, dude, you got a reel. And he starts cranking. This fish comes out from under the boat. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's a tiger. And, uh, and about that quick got it in the net. But that was, uh, I think that would only happen with a tiger because usually you do everything right and you lose them. That's when we kind of did everything wrong and caught a 50 inch tiger. It all depends on the individual and how lucky they are. I've been in the boat <laughs> with certain guys and I literally watched this guy one time wrap a 48 inch fish around the trolling motor twice and that fish laid there let paul unwrap it and just laid there and i put it in the bag on the other side of the boat so i, I do think some people's horseshoes are a little better than others i'm laughing because last year we had a i think it was a 47 eat a eat a sucker and it was it was a it was a really like that fish in that cold water was just kicking this guy's butt and it wrapped around the trolling motor and was like stuck there. So I had to like get, and I got, you know, the Altera. So I, I couldn't just like raise the, have the guy raise the trolling motor up. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't come up. So I had to get the net super low and net the fish and the trolling motor. <laughs> and then <laughs> it was, and then we had to like raise the trolling motor. I was, uh, we got him though, <laughs> but it was an yeah. absolute mess. <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it that day that we did it because that fish just laid there like, okay, hurry up, let 
Get this done. <laughs> get this over. All right. You got me. Yep. Yeah. It just, just laid there. It would have never happened had I been on the end of that rod. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And that's but. been kind of one of those. That, that has been what's made this season, you know, with, with big fish included, but just as an overall season, the amount of muskies that I've had client catch that was literally the first muskie they ever caught. Um, another one of the big fish we got this year, I've got a black and orange junior that doesn't have much tinsel left or much paint on the blades, but it, uh, for whatever reason, it catches big fish. I had this 17-year-old kid in the boat, and uh, we were fishing shallow rock point. And he first day ever muskie fishing comes into the figure eight and just completely blind from under the boat. This fish comes up and just smokes him in the eight. And he's just yelling, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And I, I, so I just dropped my rod, grabbed the net run over there. And we got that thing in the bag in about 30 seconds. And, and it was a, just an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous fish. But she, uh, that was our, that was our only one, um, that was actually our first fish in the eight this year. It's also been a been a weird year on on bucktails where it hasn't been a real good bucktail season. Um, but the last start kind of starting with that fish in the last two weeks over here, uh, blades have really started picking up. I know I was uh, I was listening to a podcast you had with JBR maybe a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about how well the blade bite was over on his side of the state, and uh, it's been the exact opposite over here for at least for me um but now that like i said these past two weeks the the blade bites really really started picking up a couple of things i want to ask you about so first off let's a- let's ask you about this replica does lax have a replica that's 49 and 31 30 30 seconds no 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 <laughs> we didn't we didn't do that one that was uh wait hold on trying to think which one that was there's so many i'm getting confused now <laughs> i'm e- joking either way um, for anybody that cares i'm just giving pete a hard time because like pete sends me a picture <laughs> and then he's then he sent me the picture of it on the on the bump board and i had to zoom in really really close and i'm like pete are you really sure that that thing is 50 he's like no it's if it's not 50 it's really really close i'm like that's when i went with the 15 16 so it's sort of inside <laughs> joke between me and pete anytime he sends me a picture of a big fish i'm like are you sure that's really the right size <laughs> The absolute best one was was with uh, McMahon this year. So it's been kind of cool. Like we've had two of the two of the five big ones have been on uh, Fat Bastards, both uh, like some black spotted one that I got from you, and then another one was on a uh, on a Kramer ticker, which I don't know if those are even if they're still around or I haven't seen one in forever. So I got one that I hang on to with dear life, and then that last one was or then we got one on a junior. And I think it was like your Oktoberfest or something like that from, from a while ago. And then uh, this last one that I, I caught on a bulldog was on, on a ball buster and got that one and hailed it. Like it literally came up, head shaking, all it was hanging out was the tail. But we went to work on it and I think we did a pretty good job getting her, getting her unhooked. Hey, Carrie, that would make sense that he would get one on Oktoberfest because, um, well, that was pretty much like the hottest color for... I don't know how many seasons. It's still always one of, like, no matter what we do, if Carrie comes out with a new bait, we put it out in Oktoberfest. It's still always, like, pretty close to the number one seller in it. Yeah, I, I heard much like black and orange. Black, orange, and a, maybe a black well, nickel blade. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know, yeah, exactly. I know what the pattern is exactly, but I wasn't sure if black, orange is that key because it's funny. 
like I'm I'm all about black orange, but when I go fish with Jeff on the other side of the state, he does not like black orange at all. It's like taboo. You break out black orange, he's like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it with black orange. Like, <laughs> How can you not? Like, it's, I mean, it's one of the best color combinations ever. Absolutely. And my ball buster was, you know, that uh, ball buster dog is one of my favorite dogs that I've ever bought. It's, uh, it's in the process of being welded back together once again. Yep. I know a place that's got a couple of those, especially. Yeah. Right yeah. I think, I think that place just sent me a, a ball buster swimming dog too. Yes. Yes, I did. So <laughs> Pete, you, you kind of touched on the trolling deal. I don't want to transition too far away from what you got going on casting, yeah. but you kind of touched on the trolling thing. And in, like you said, the last two episodes have probably been primarily us talking about trolling because, you know, I want to say you pioneered it, but you definitely made it a lot more popular, especially on those flowages up there in Northern Wisconsin. Do you have a, a hypothesis as to, you know, why the trolling deal isn't that great up there right now? And then, I mean, cause it had been so good for you for, you know, many seasons. It had, it had been incredible. It literally had been, I would literally take my just in case out of the boat and put a little uh, spinning pedestal seat in the back of the boat and run my kicker and, and sit back there for a month and just, uh, you know, not rake in fish, but I felt like I was probably doing better than most. This year I did that for about a week. And, you know, I don't know what it was. I do know like when we would go out night trolling, I got bit way more consistently than I would in the daytime, but it's really hard to, you know, convince, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of cabin vacationers up and up in this area. I, I don't get the, uh, I you know I get a handful of people who are, you know, specifically coming here to, to fish with me, but I also get a lot of people who are like, Hey, I'm staying at Treelands. Can, can you get me out? Tough to convince them to bear through the mosquitoes and, and stay out till midnight, uh, trolling. But like, you know, when I, when I would, we either caught or lost fish. Um, and for whatever reason, they just, they just really didn't want to go during the day. Um, like I said, we would have them marked. I had one basin. It, it was almost ridiculous how many fish were in this like small basin area. And we never caught a single one in their trolling, but we, we did dump two in their trolling after dark one night. And, you know, I've had years like that, not, trolling wise, but, you know, casting to the point of some years, there's just an incredible night bite and the day, the day bites, not that good. I've had other years where, you know, th there's a great midday bite and night fishing is just okay. I didn't get to do enough night trolling to say that that was, that was the case this year, but it, it seemed like it. And, and, you know, I think that's a, a really good thing for people to always keep in mind that, you know, Trolling isn't just driving around, you know, trying to kill time during the middle of the day. Um, I, I would specifically say three of the five fish that we caught, those those big ones, were a direct correlation to knowing there were big fish in this area from trolling, and they just wouldn't go. So we started targeting them uh, a different way. So it's really important to always be paying attention to your electronics and kind of taking mental notes and, and where are these fish? And, and it was cool too, because there was a couple fish that would, you know, be paired up in the basin. Like I'd have two muskies on site imaging that like day after day were almost like side by side. It was almost like I kind of knew where they would all be sitting and, and it, it did, and then it ended up paying off uh, with casting. Hey Pete, when you do the night trolling thing, cause I've, I don't, 
I don't know if I've ever done the night trolling thing. Is there anything that you're doing different versus day trolling? I mean, it's got to get yeah. a little bit stickier. Yeah, I, I slow way down. So if I'm if I'm going at like four two during the day here, I'm I'm probably slowing it down to about three. And and it was weird because I, I don't want to make you know like these bold like well they always do this or they always do that. But during the day, it seems like my speed up rod on a turn is the one that usually gets hit. Like if I'm trolling along and I make a hard turn left, my right rod gets hit all of a sudden. At night, they kept hitting the slowdown rod. So like the inside turn. So if I'm making a left turn, it, sh- it slows down my left rod and those are the ones getting hit, which then it's really difficult to obviously, you know, if I'm trolling at three miles an hour and the slowdown rod is the one getting hit, there's almost no force behind that to, to set the hook. And I will bring my lures, I'll stagger my depths a lot more at night. Like I'll, I'll get my outside board rods much shallower. Like I might only have five feet from the board to the leader and, and running those real high in the water column. And then usually running my, my down rods to the point where, you know, say I've got a, say I've got a 10 foot rock hump that I, I know I'm going to, you know, end up going over or. Uh, you know, something like that. I'll probably have those down rods at about that depth where they're still going to tickle those rocks when, when it's possible. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put anything down 20 feet during the middle of the summer. I don't want to bring fish up from that deep if possible, but it, it's definitely varying more depth and, and slowing way down. How about bait wise, Pete? You know, we don't want to turn this into a whole night trolling deal, but like bait wise, you typically are running. I know you, you run matlocks or headlocks quite a bit. It's, I would say it's probably not much of a secret, but, uh, is that still an effective bait for you at night too? As I've heard, you know, some guys don't like the erraticness because they want to try to make it almost like straight track so that those fish can kind of hone in on easier. Is that something that you found or not? I, it's something I thought. And then Duff kept, kept like, sending me pictures of like, nope, you got to troll matlocks at night. And it's like, you can't argue with, you know, some of the fish, the pictures that, you know, people who bought lures off of him sent. So no, I'm, I'm still running matlocks. And, and the, the weird part I would, uh, so I would run usually a four rod set or a three rod set depending, you know, cause I'm very rarely trolling big open lakes where I could run all six lines that I'm allowed if I'm off of the flowage or I'm on the flowage and I can only run three no matter what, anyhow. So typically what I would do then is I would do like the, the big blue water. I think it's the 12 inch herring. Um, it might even be bigger than that, but I would run like the big blue water on a down rod, 14 inch Jake on a down rod, a 12 inch matlock on a board. And then if I had a fourth line out, it usually was kind of dependent on what they were going on. If it was something, you know, if they were hitting a 14 inch Jake, I might put a 10 inch Jake out there or, if they had been hitting a matlock, I might put, just put another matlock out. And the, the matlock literally was the one getting hit. Like when I was talking about those slowdown rods, it, it was always the matlock that got hit on that slowdown. Um, McMahon caught a nice one with me on, on a blue water. So, and, and that was on a down. We caught some fish on 14-inch shapes. Um, but that's about what I'm running year-round, to be honest with you. I mean, my my trolling lure selection is, is quite boring. Like my lures literally have assigned seating. It's like the, the Jake goes here, the Matlock goes here. And then it's kind of mixing up around that. <laughs> Who's anybody to argue with uh, Duff when Duff tells you that something's working, you should yeah. probably think about doing it. 
a hundred percent. I was like, well, how fast are they running at night? He's like two, eight, three. And, and that's something he shared on the internet the other day. So that's not like super secret information, but, and he was spot on, you know, it was, um, I'm not really seeing anything with specific colors, nighttime versus, versus daytime. Um, you know, I will in a bright full moon, uh, I might run something a little brighter in a, in a dark cloudy night or, or in the new moon, I, uh, I might run something darker, but that's the same as if I'm casting as well. Sure. Yeah. I, um, I definitely think I need, I think a lot of people need to try night fishing more. It's not something that, like you said, a lot of people are like, oh, they want their day to wind down and I get it. And you know, it's uncomfortable. It's so, you know, you're, you're, you're visual. There's so much visual with musky fishing and that's all very limited. And so I think that a lot of people have a hard time getting past it. I know that it is my, it is my absolute favorite time to fish. Well, there's certainly less pressure. That's for sure. There is. And then the mosquitoes are usually only bad for about 45 minutes. And, uh, and Sims actually makes incredible, uh, they got this bug stopper line. And so I put on like my bug stopper shirt with a hood and my bug stopper mask and gloves and, and it's super lightweight. So I don't have to douse myself in bug spray and it's, uh, I look like a a chubby ninja and (laughs) just, just go out and grind. And it's, uh, and that's actually kind of what we're heading more into too, with the, the cool down coming. I know from from watching the uh, videos from, from Carrie and Brad from a handful of years ago. those You guys did a ton of night fishing out on the lax, yeah. correct? Yeah, I, I think for like five years, all I got to do was night fish. <laughs> I know for forever, I never caught a fish during the day just because I, I never got to fish during the day. I was at work and I would get down to like say five, six o'clock and I'd go out and fish till couple hours into the dark and and yeah i was kind of a vampire that way <laughs> but it's and that's i think the thing that maybe a lot of people don't quite realize is there's a reason for it and whatever reason the big fish i don't know why they're easier to fool but big fish love to eat at night but that's been one cool thing about this year is of all the uh of the big fish that we've got this year um just the one that mcmahon caught with me uh was the only one that was was after dark and that was that that was quite the experience he and i uh we could say we had been doing a little drinking to say the least and had saw fish in just the stupidest spot you could ever imagine earlier in the day <laughs> we we're like let's troll have a couple cocktails and then before we go in we'll go cast and catch that fish and we we're like yeah that'll be great and like <laughs> and they we uh we did that and it actually worked which was we were both shocked by. <laughs> so based on the amount of drinking you two were doing, this one was probably like 46 and 31, 30 seconds. Based on the amount of drinking we were doing, this was a 49 and a half that had we really been able to see straight probably was like a 56. <laughs> <laughs> I see how this goes. All right. <laughs> Minus the drinking. Do you think the fish are easier to fool or that in the dark? Or do you think you're just, way more in tune with where your bait is and what you're doing because you can't see what's going on. So you're concentrating harder. I think it's a combo of both. I think, I think that the big fish at night, um, are more, I I feel like they're more apt to show themselves because they're out on the hunt, you know, so to speak. Um, 
but at the same time, kind of type of thing. Absolutely. But I think at the exact same time, you are way more in tune with your, what you're doing. And, and it's that, you know, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've seen with clients that I take out is you have somebody who's a really a pretty solid fisherman. He's doing a great job. Sunset when I catch a fish, the second he can't see what he's doing, it's like he's never fished before. But, but at the same time, like those, once you can kind of get through that part, cause it's worth getting through, it actually becomes like second nature, like where your figure eight is, you know, if you're running a, a bucktail or how slow you need to go if you're running a top water. And I think that would be for people who are looking to, you know, kind of get more into the night fishing, you know, and it's, it's kind of, Carrie kind of touched on it there and I kind of skipped through it, but I think what happens is these fish that were maybe outside weed line oriented, deeper rock oriented on the same piece of structure, I feel like they slide up to the crowns and the crest of these bars after dark and they're up there to hunt. So, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing is like people just need to slow down. So for me, if I've got somebody running a cowgirl, it's reel it as slow as you can until you start getting weeds and then just raise your odd tip to keep out of them. If it's a top water, run it as slow as it goes, but still works properly. And, and, you know, for me with the top waters, they tend to hit way out away from the boat with bucktails. It's like, you better be ready in the figure eight. And, and they don't, and it's not a violent thing. And I think that's where, you know, people are, you know, I've had some clients who get a little puckered up after like dark, like this fish is going to rip the rod out of their hand. It literally just feels like you ran into a rock or hooked into a heavy sponge. And then it's when you set the hook that they, you know, that's when they go nuts, but it's not a violent. They usually just come up from behind it and just kind of grab it. And all of a sudden all hell breaks loose once you set the hook. That, that's very true. There's no, there's no violence until you turn on a light. And then, <laughs> then things go crazy. Um, I remember one time you were talking about mosquitoes. I went out with Brad one evening and had worked late. So we probably didn't get out till maybe an hour and a half before dark. And I was mad because I forgot my sunglasses and I can't, you can't do anything without sunglasses. Right. But it was only an hour and a half. So I waited it out. And then we get out there and then we fish pretty big water. So if you start in the middle of the lake, not on the edge, once it gets dark in the middle, you can kind of avoid a bunch of the mosquitoes. But if you start close to shore and then go out, they just come right with you. Yes, and we, of do. course, <laughs> we started close to shore and I can't remember if I forgot my sweatshirt or if I forgot my rain gear. I forgot a bunch of stuff. It was not a, it was not a good night. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was standing in the front of the boat and I'm casting and the bugs are driving me nuts. And I, I stuck the rod between my legs and I lost it. I just was, my arms were flailing. Everything's flailing to try because I'm just, you know, it was a bad night. So I just lost it on these mosquitoes and I can feel my rod and it's going, it's bouncing. And I'm like. And I look down and it's just enough light where um, I can see there's a fish on my cowgirl as I'm flipping out, trying to get these mosquitoes out of my face and my ears and my nose and everything else. And I'm like, Brad, he's like, what? I'm like, get the net. And he's like, what? I'm like, get the net. And he's like, what? And I'm not 
being loud and I'm not moving. I'm just keeping tension on that bait, you know? And I'm like, I have a fish. Get the net. And he's like, he throws his stuff down, grabs the net, you know, nets this fish for me, and then turns the light on, and it just went ballistic in the net (laughs) because of him him turning on the light. So it was pretty green when he pulled it out of there, but... But right, yeah, yeah. They, it's not violent. More than once I did that. I'm like, uh, you need to get the net. They're like, what? I'm like, I have a fish. You need to get the net and you need to hurry. You know, and all I did was I never set the hook. I didn't do anything. I just kept tension and they held on and, and they put them in the bag. And it's like they don't really know what's going on. If you don't lose it, they don't lose it. Absolutely. But, and that, that kind of is, uh, we've had some night. We were uh, in the Bemidji area and it was probably... I don't know, two or three in the morning. And, uh, I think we had had maybe two or three fish in the boat that night. And my buddy Scott comes into the figure eight and he's like, oh, I snagged on a rock. I'm like, huh? I mean, we were, you're so tired. You kind of getting what you're thinking about. Yeah. And because he's, he's in the figure eight and he's like, oh, I got a rock. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, Oh yeah, it's a fish. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just right here. I'm just taking it around the figure eight. Like, he just kind of kept figure eighting it super slow. Yep. At first, he thought he was snagged, but the fish ate it, and he just kept figure eighting them, and we got him in the net. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've done that a few times. Brad thinks I'm nuts, but as long as you don't lose your marbles, they don't, they're not going to. So No, and, and a lot of times, they don't really know what's going on until you put that pressure on them. I'm like that tiger yep. we just caught a couple, you know, a, a month ago. When that fish didn't know it was hooked until he started cranking on it, like it 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 knew something happened but it didn't know it was hooked because he wasn't reeling back there actually last year on the chippewa flowage we were dragging a sucker through this uh, little neck down area sucker gets hit and everything's going normal while we're getting set up and then all of a sudden the fish is just literally kind of like meandering around aimlessly like the line's just kind of going this way and then kind of coming back this way I'm like, what the heck is this fish doing and so i put a little pressure on him to see if I could get him to straighten out. And the fish literally just pops up to the surface. There's no sucker in his mouth and he's got a hook and the quick strike rigs in the corner of his mouth. Like he hit the sucker, hooked himself, but because we never sat on him, he had no idea what was going on. He was just swimming around looking for what happened to the sucker. And nice. my, my client, like, I guess you could set if you want to practice. He's like, well, if I set, then I think it counts as mine. <laughs> like, sure. Funny. But, but yeah, yeah, you know, and that's kind of, and that's kind of the thing with, with night fishing is it, it's really just a, it's, it's, there's nothing cooler than being out on the lake with, you know, bright stars, loons are going and it's just unbelievably peaceful and, and big fish come, they, they come out and play. It's uh, and it's for me, you know, 99% of my lure selections are cowgirl, cowgirl junior and some form of a topwater. And I very rarely mix much else in there i've been kind of messing with that shallow swimming dog a little bit more just to kind of throw something different at them um it still doesn't really seem to have the effect that blades do after dark because especially after you get a fish or two and they start to get a little grind or a tick to them then those become even better i think as after dark especially i i would agree i'm obviously a little bit prejudice when it comes to my bait choice for after dark i'm kind of a cowgirl girl when it comes to after dark i know supermodels there's there's a bunch of guys 
in in Minnesota, particularly, I could probably name off half a dozen of them that swear by supermodels after dark. I mean, I've I've done the top water thing after dark. That's actually pretty cool. It's awesome. And, yeah, it is. And sometimes some spinnerbait stuff. That stuff, like hurricanes. I mean, a hurricane yep. is not your typical spinnerbait, but that will perform after dark. Um, I've done regular spinnerbaits too, and they seem to work just fine too. It's again all about making sure you stay, you personally stay in contact with your bait, and then yeah. speed. Yeah, and it, it, it is. It's slowing down. I, I feel like, and would you agree? It's it's like slowing down to that point where. The bait's working properly, but it's just enough to keep it out of the cover. Like yep. you don't need to go quick. You don't need to do a bunch of angle changes. You know, it's a, it's a slow methodic figure eight. You're not yep. changing. I'm not changing depths on my figure eight. I'm just coming in, making a big oval all at the same depth level. And they just kind of yep. come up and just put their mouth on it. Really. Right. And, and some of that, some of that it's, it's, I think it's easier. I mean, I, you can ask anyone who knows me or has ever fished with me. I fish super slow, no matter what, daytime or nighttime. But I think at night, because you're kind of paranoid that you're going to smash the end of your rod or, <laughs> you know, something like that. You automatically, because you can't see what's going on, you automatically slow down. So it makes yeah. it a little bit easier. And then once you really get used to it, you will know when your bait is within the whatever 18 inches or 12 inches that you want to be at the end of your, to figure eight, to, at the end of your uh, cast. You'll, you'll just start to automatically feel that once you have done it enough. Absolutely. And I think, and the, a big key to that, what I, I, you know, try to express to everybody in my boat, even whether it's daytime or you kind of get that rod moving into the eight before it gets there but you're still reeling kind of kind of beginning yeah. that momentum so then as that lure gets here that you're able to just kind of continue right into that first turn and it's it's really about setting that eight up and you're absolutely right like you just kind of get in that rhythm of all right here she comes and then every once in a while you'll do the fanimate and you go to do the yep. figure eight and there's like six feet of line out yep, yep, <laughs> and I, you're like oh i missed <laughs> Yeah, the other thing that sometimes you can cheat with a little bit too, depending on the color of your bait. Like I know, I know most people like to, at least most of the people I know, they like to go black, black after dark. I love black. Yeah, after dark, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not so sold on black ever. I've literally manufactured way too many black nickel and black, black baits that I don't really care if I ever throw one ever. <laughs> They're so boring. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I'll. I, I like color but if you're in the front of boat you can sometimes cheat if you're on the is it the port the starboard side is the green side or is it the port um side? port side is passenger so what is that uh red green something like that it's one of the two i think <laughs> i think the port side is red so if you're on the starboard side somebody correct me if i'm wrong but anyway if you're on the green side you could sometimes <laughs> catch the the flash of at least the cowgirl, whether it be the skirt or the blades or whatever, and you could kind of cheat that in the dark once your eyes get used to it being completely black. That little tiny bit of green light will give you just enough light pollution to be able to see the flash, and you'll be able to see your bait. The red side, it, not so much. Red doesn't. Have you ever seen one coming in behind it in that light? Yep, I have. 
yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I, I, you know, obviously I'm fishing out of the back of the boat, so I've got my, my tail light behind me. And there was one time we were on like some gin clear water over here. Not much of a numbers lake, but there's some huge fish in it. We had been on this awesome, like middle of the night, uh, supermodel bright full moon pattern. And I was like, let's go over it around and just kind of see if we can run into something huge. And there's not much cabbage on the lake. It's really kind of, kind of vanilla when it comes to, it's just a ton of sand and there's, there's some weeds. So I mean, like the biggest cabbage bed on the lake, it's midnight. There's a thunderstorm coming in. We're smack dab in the middle of the major, the full moon. I got my chartreuse, chartreuse supermodel on coming to the figure eight. And I'm like, boy, they got one right on it. And I swing around and it eats it, <laughs> set back into it. And the fish comes completely out of the water. It's like a 28 incher. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I know nothing about this lake. <laughs> like for that fish to be there just completely blew my mind. Like this makes no sense. But it was, it, it was kind of neat leading up to it though, because I come in the figure eight and there's like a secondary streak right behind the bucktail. And I was like, sweet, here comes one. No, it's a five pounder. Nice. I remember one time just screwing around. I don't remember what I was doing, but I, I always, we always fish in the dark. The only time you turned your headlamp on is if you needed to change baits or, or yep. somebody hooked up and it's in the bag and then you turn your headlamp on. Right. Well, I was, I don't know, screwing around. I think it was, it might've been like me and my friend, Amy and, and her brother, Ryan or something. And it turned the lights on just to see what's going on. And somebody's bait comes in and there's just a giant, like a 48 inch fish behind it and went, Oh crap. <laughs> screwed that one up. You know, <laughs> and it's just kind of like, what's going on? And, you know, obviously wasn't going to eat them, but it's pretty, they're pretty cool to see in the dark, actually. It is. It is. It's, it's like I said, kind of starting this little conversation is it's, it's my absolute favorite time to fish. And I do well in late June with it. I do pretty good during the summer with it. But like for me personally, like September is like from now really until October is really when I get really excited to, to night fish. Like I've, uh, my ex-wife has been out of town all week. So I've had, you know, had my daughter all week and been doing the dad thing. And tomorrow she gets back. So I've got uh, a night with nothing to do two days before the full moon. So I, uh, when I get done guiding, I'll be heading out and probably, probably stay out way late tomorrow night. And and then we got a, we also got a front coming in. It's going to be super cold on Saturday. I think we got like a high of 68 or something like that over here. So it's uh, super jacked to get out tomorrow night. Yeah, it should be good. They got to eat it sometime, right? Oh, absolutely. I think we lost Jeff. No, this just feels like it's uh, Brad Hoppy, Matt Seifert, Seifert conversation. <laughs> all I got, all I got to do is just sit here and listen. That's it. I just, I just get the conversation started, and then I just hang out. And that's how that works. <laughs> well, Jeff, do you do any night fishing? I don't hardly any, but I I think there's a chance I'm going up north this weekend, and I think I'm going solo. So there's there's a chance I might get out this weekend to do a little night fishing. I actually thought about it. Nice. Uh, night, nice. night fishing is not for everyone. I know I know plenty of people that are like, nope, not not going to do it. And mostly it's because of the bugs. That's yeah. absolutely it. That's, that's where I lose. And I'm telling you, like, I know it sounds crazy that they could have a clothing that is super lightweight that, like, stops mosquitoes. The stuff is awesome. Literally just bought my daughter a uh, a Sims bug shirt. So, so now she's not afraid to go outside, basically. 
Because my daughter's terrified of bugs too. What's with that? <laughs> like mainly repel the mosquitoes, or what does it take care of those crawly little lake flies too? So like the the mosquitoes can't bite through it. Like they literally just like hover around you. They don't land on you. I mean, every once in a while you'll feel one kind of get you in the shoulder, but I don't know what they, I don't know if it's the weave of the clothing or if they put something in it. Um, but the mosquitoes don't, they don't come on you. Not at all. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible stuff. And it's, it's basically, you know, like their, their long sleeve sun stuff, that super lightweight, uh, sun hoodies. It's that, but bug stopper. And, and it, they make, yeah, they make fingerless gloves that go with it. And, and then like the same sun, sun scarf that is a bug stopper as well. And I'll literally, cause I never take my sandals off unless there's four feet of snow on the ground. I literally just have to spray my toes with mosquito spray and, and away I go. That's nice. I never, so Jeff, like you get said, yeah, you should Jeff. I should. I we th- don't, like I said, we don't have to deal with it. We, we get mosquitoes, but if you start the water's big enough where there's enough distance from the shoreline yeah. that it's usually by, you know, half an hour after dark, you've waited them all out. But then you have the lake flies, the ones that no matter what you do, they're like in your shorts and they're crawling. Oh, the crawling ones? Yeah. It'll bite. Yeah, that's, when you, get, crawl all over that's when you get that really sexy look of like tucking your pants into your socks. Yeah. And putting on your rain gear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> everything else in it and it's pointless because they still get in there anyway <laughs> i think i think i was with big dave or maybe he was we were just he was in the the group we had on the lax but there were those uh, he had white shorts on and he had been sitting in his seat driving yep. and uh, when he when he came into uh i think it was castaways it looked like uh, he had he had a mess <laughs> yep <laughs> i um would purposely make sure the truck that we had had leather seats, especially during the Malax days, so that you could clean the smashed, cooked on bugs off of them <laughs> all the time. Because and, and a side, as a side note, I was just going to say, as a side note, I really miss the Malax days. I do. Too. Like I, I still, I still run over there in November. And, you know, do like a couple days of trolling or, or if depending on who I have with me, we might throw some pounders, but I, that was so much fun. It was just, it was the, it was the most fun. I think musky fishing has, has ever been. It's such a shame that that lake isn't what it was. I don't know if it was possible to keep that up with the amount of fish that were being caught and how they just kind of kept coming to get caught over and over again. But it was, uh, it was incredible. I've never, you know, and I kind of started going over there towards the end of it where, you know, there were still fish in the sand. Um, there were still, you know, there were some nice fish on the rocks, but you wouldn't go up in the sand and, and see like 50 of them in a, in an afternoon, you know, there'd be like a handful up there, but kind of by Wealthwood and yeah, I never, I never saw that. Like, like I said, I, I hit the, I hit like 2009 or 10 was like my first trip over there. Yeah. And it was still incredible. It's still better than anything I've ever seen. We were there, me and it was me and Scott. And I think, you know, Scott Allen, right? Yep. It was, it was me and Scott and my, in one boat and Dave and my dad in another boat. And they had run into Greg and David, Dave got three fifties on forecasts that night. Yeah. And 
we, we ended up hanging up on him when he told us he got the third one. And we're like, whatever, dude. Like, now you're just messing with us. <laughs> and, uh, no, he, uh, he did right. In, and my dad was in front of him throwing the same exact same junior. It was just, Dave had the, he kind of had the magic, uh, retrieve down that night. If you guys could have seen that up there in the sand, like you go through there midday and just kind of, you know, casually roll through there. You literally could see at times 150 fish just laying there. You could cast it every single one of them and they just laugh at you. Every once randomly, you get one that would, you know, eat. But yeah, they're just laying there. It was insane. So just waiting for the light to get low. Yep. Yeah, no, it was crazy. It was fun. I, I do miss that, too. I try and talk Brad to bring me over there in the spring, at least, to do some walleye fishing. Because it's a yep. phenomenal walleye fishery, too. Yeah, um, absolutely. Actually, it's a, it's a phenomenal everything fishery. But I haven't been able to talk him into bringing me over there musky fishing. But I'm not, I'm kind of fair weather. I'm not super into that. I've done the Lax in November thing. I... I'm kind of it's over work. that. It's, it's work. And it's, it's, it's cold. It's work. And I mean, I know like, I, I, I think Hammernick still goes there a ton and like, you know, word gets around on how people are doing and he'll catch a giant, but it will have been there for like eight days and not seen a fish and, and then catch a 55 incher. And it's, it's, and that's why you still go there. Like I, I haven't caught a fish on the lax in three years and I'll probably only go three days a year. But I never get more excited to go fishing than that drive over to Malax. Yeah, I mean, you truly have a chance at a giant in anything over there. Yeah, yeah, it's our it's biggest walleye ever comes over there on uh, what's the uh, the big shallow invader? Is that like the twelve incher? Yep. We're on. Uh, we're out on Hennepin, and Mike comes in the figure eight, and he's like, "Got one." And his rod's like mostly straight. I'm like, "Well, you got what?" <laughs> We look down as like a thirty-one inch walleye. Yep. Yeah, that's it's pretty nuts over there. But I'm with you. I do miss it. I I loved going over there, and it can be so brutal and so exhausting just because of the waves and the size of the lake. Yeah, but absolutely. It, it really is fun. <laughs> it is me and 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 then last year I think it was last year might have been the year before it was probably 2019. Me, Dad, and Big Dave will head over there to go troll the mud flats, and we're like, "Well, it's supposed to be calm, but it shouldn't be too bad." It was as glass like that lake was an absolute sheet of glass at like one in the afternoon, and it was just there were no you could see across the whole thing, and there's nobody there anymore. Like there was literally nobody on. I think we counted like six or seven boats that we yeah. saw the entire day, and you know between the goofy walleye, I think that was when you couldn't keep any walleye. I think it was 2019. I don't know. And, if yet. and maybe you still can't, but it was, you know, we're out there and we're like, God, this was like, this was like the Mecca of, of musky fishing in the early two thousands. And, and to, to look around and see six boats as far as you can see in any direction was uh, kind of sad where that lake has kind of fallen off to. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty nuts, but I mean, you got a chance at a giant pike. You got a chance at a giant smallmouth. I mean, pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Mark. Jeff, well, you better get back on track. 
<laughs> well, well, we were, we had planned on talking about, you know, what's coming up in the next two weeks, but you know, you guys have taken up all of our time. So we're going to have to do that a different time. No, actually we're going to, we're going to talk about that yet. Pete, I, w- I would have given you, you know, about 20 minutes to talk about, you know, what to expect as we end August and we enter the beginning of September, but you and Carrie decided to take this a whole different direction, which is plenty fine. It makes my job a lot easier, but um, so Pete, let's talk a little bit about what to expect as we move towards the end of this month. Obviously you'd, you'd kind of alluded to it. Looked like we're going to be dealing with some cooler weather, which typically spurs a pretty solid bite for anglers looking to get out in the next couple weeks after this warm spell that we're in right now. Although it'll be passed by the time this one comes out. What, uh, what should people start looking at as they move into end of August, early September musky fishing, especially up there in the Northwoods? I've had some people ask me about, you know, the Chippewa flowage, you know, what kind of baits they should have out there. So I don't know if maybe we can relate it kind of off of that or just in general, however you want to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, obviously, like you just said, things are going to be cooling down. And as far as anywhere I've ever fished for muskies, whether it is Minnesota or northern Wisconsin, as that lake starts cooling down, coming out of summer peak, it fish just keep going shallower and shallower and shallower. You kind of get that second growth of cabbage on lakes like the flowage where a lot of those good weeds get burned out in the middle of summer, kind of get that blast of, of second growth cabbage. And and it's, it's some of the funnest. And I, I honestly think simplest fishing you'll have throughout the year. I mean, it's, it's, it's mostly as simple as, you know, for me, it's finding once again, the mid lake flat, the shallow humps, shallow points, stuff that's coming out of that deep water that they had spent the majority of their summer associated with. And, and it's burning bucktails. Um, every year we get in a, a early September pattern of, you know, whether it's supermodels or tens and it's a, it's a tough bite because I end up catching the majority of the fish, but it's burning. And, you know, most of my clients even putting on a high speed reel or a big tranks or something that like it's, it's burning, burning and, and they'll go and they're, they're up super shallow. They're chasing stuff. Um, you know, when, when they're not going on blades, um, suics for me are kind of coming back into the fold. Uh, I've been doing really well this year on that shallow swimming dog i've been doing well in the deep swimming dog too and the poseidon as far as like running those over deep rocks but with these fish pushing up shallower that shallow swimming dog is a is a really nice kind of kind of mix up bait to throw in with a bucktail you know tomorrow uh we'll probably have you know person in the front of the boat's either gonna be burning a showgirl or a junior guy in the middle of the boat's gonna be running a swimming dog and me in the back of the boat will probably be throwing a suic as the water keeps dropping. You know, obviously glide baits will kind of, you know, you want something that bounces, something that swings and some lures that can go, you know, quick in a straight line. And then when you get that cloud cover, uh, I personally can't throw a top water in bright sun. It just doesn't, doesn't feel right. I know guys do it and catch some fish for me. It's just one of those things that it just doesn't feel right, but it's also, some of the best topwater fishing of the year, whether it's cloudy or at nighttime, um, just low light topwaters will do really well over shallow structures. So, you know, my biggest advice would just be find those big open areas of the lake with deep water and then find the, find the pieces of structure adjacent to them. And then just, just fishing over the top of it. Don't be afraid to burn, but also, you know, that's where like that, that swimming dog kind of 
fits in really nice and you can run it slow and kind of keep it out of the weeds. So it's a, it's a really nice mix up bait for those, uh, quick retrieve baits. And like Carrie and I discussed like night fishing, like this is for me personally, this is my favorite time to night fish and those cold nights. Um, it also seems like those really cold nights make for really good mornings. I, I think the one thing that maybe people do wrong when they're out early in the mornings on those, those cold mornings in the fall is they're putting their boats on the weed line and then kind of fishing that outer edge of weeds. When it seems like when you get those real chilly nights, cool mornings, those fish are moving up super shallow. So a lot of our humps have, you know, bald spots in the middle. I'll actually kind of be making sure that I'm targeting those bald patches versus the weed edges. And, and a lot of top waters for that early in the morning too. You know, I would expect if we have just kind of your, your regular fall, which we've never really seemed to have anymore, everything seems to be, you know, so extreme, whether it's super hot or a hot summer that all of a sudden the water temps crash and you're like fishing November patterns in October. But in your typical September, um, you know, just as that water cools, the fish just continue to keep creeping up shallower and shallower and shallower and you know a lot of days like i just touched on it's gonna be a bucktail some dog something that bounces or a top water one thing we hadn't kind of touched on is like some of this stuff i know you you kind of talked a little bit about color i mean how much how much of that is a factor and what kind of you know for guys that are heading up is there certain colors that they should make sure they have obviously you talked about Oktoberfest. is that something that's pretty common for you to be catching them on that color yeah so for it's so funny that i think like Color is, is like one of those things that what works for you. So what works for me is if I've got, say, like I'm on the flowage, and we literally just three days ago uh, caught one doing this, like bright sunny day, not a ton of wind, um, a lot of baits looked, they just didn't look natural. So I gave the guy a black, black junior, and he ends up catching one on, you know, on the last spot after fishing it for two spots, just like that that super dark pattern in that bright sun. It just, I don't know. It looks fishier. Um, so for me, if, uh, if I've got cloud cover, if I've got, you know, low light in the evenings, I'm usually going to pair bright blades with a dark skirt. If, if I've got bright sun, I'm just going to go dark, whether it's black nickel, black, um, usually with a black skirt, maybe like a walleye pattern, you know, something brown and brass. If it's windy, I'll tend to lean on the side of big versus small. When it comes to top water, I, I, I just like dark patterns, whether it's black or dark purple or just all my top waters are pretty much some form of, of black. Kind of with that said, when I, when it comes to jerk baits, glide baits, everything I own in that is pretty much bright patterns. I'm throwing bright dogs. I'm throwing bright suics. I'm throwing, bright hellhounds, you know, like in, in that stained water, especially, you know, orange and chartreuse and everybody knows black and green on the foliage. Um, but to be honest with you, I, you know, I throw a ton of chartreuse on the foliage, especially on the West side. If you're coming up to the Chippewa foliage, the, uh, the West side has a real green tint to it where the East side has a real brown tint to it. So like on the East side, I like a lot of chartreuses and whites. If, if we've got some cloud cover, or on the east side, I, I like a lot of, you know, bright blades, whether it's chartreuse, orange, green, um, on a dark skirt. 
but you know, like I said, top waters everywhere. I just kind of go dark. Well, I think that's about that's about wraps it up. You know, we Brad and I have been getting these episodes shorter and shorter and now that we brought carrie on it's just me and her carrie you can't shut her up so she just keeps pushing these episodes <laughs> longer and longer <laughs> i knew that was coming anyway. <laughs> yeah i think brad and i have been doing the guest part in about 45 minutes i don't think carrie and i have gotten one done in less than an hour and 10 the last two weeks so whatever but carrie's carrie's got a lot to say so absolutely i, I had a blast i really appreciate you guys having me on yeah, so Pete, if anybody, I don't know what your availability is yet this year. If anybody's looking to get out with you, book a trip, how do they go about doing that? Uh, best is just to call me on my cell phone or shoot me a text. It's uh, 815-762-3973. Uh, I do have a Facebook page and a website at PeteRichGuide.com. You never know when something might free up. I've got like three open days the first week of September for some reason, and then I really don't have anything open until the middle of October. And, and unfortunately... Uh, for those of you who have been or knew about the uh, Fall Muskie School, we do on the Chippewa Floods at the end of October. There's been staffing issues at all the resorts this year. Everybody's way understaffed. Because of that, we're not going to be able to, Treelands just didn't feel like they had the staff to uh, to pull it off this fall with kids going back to school and everything. So unfortunately, we're not going to do it, but there's still a great fall bite on the Chippewa Floods. Favorite time to sucker fish and actually my favorite lake to sucker fish. So if guys uh, do want to get out in late fall, um, I've got some openings. Well, Pete, I want to thank you for your time coming out tonight. I want to thank Carrie for coming out and, uh, you know, help me through this one, especially playing the role of Matt Seifert. That's difficult to do. So, <laughs> or maybe you were playing the role of Brad Hoppy and, and Pete was playing the role of Matt Seifert. I don't know. Either way, it, we got the job done. And I want to thank our listeners for always coming out every single Wednesday and listening to the podcast for Without Them. We are absolutely nothing. I want to thank everybody for your support of Team Rhino Outdoors this season, and I want to thank them both for Muskie Mayhem Tackle as well. So with that being said, we thank everybody again, and we'll see everybody with a new episode next Wednesday. Thank you.